You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Great Scott! Hey folks, it's your pal Mike White coming to you with a special bonus interview. This is with Christopher Lloyd. This is from the Fan Expo 2016, which I attended in early September in Toronto, Ontario. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was something. It was the time. Uh, there were some really good points to the trip and some kind of bad points. One of the bad points being that when this was originally set up to record, the sound engineer, who was kind of a, um, well, he was kind of full of himself, he didn't necessarily uh, actually flip the recording to line, he just kind of left it record in the back of the room, so it was, yeah, it was useless. You must have spent hours in the makeup chair, even with Uncle Fester. Yeah. Uh, um, well, I... Luckily, we have found some other sources, we being myself and Stuart Feedback Andrews, who really did a huge job of going in and cleaning up all this audio. Uh, Just a really, really fine job, which I'm sure that I have since screwed up by messing with more levels and doing all that kind of stuff. So there are some rough moments to the audio, especially in the beginning. There's a lot of feedback, um, not the good kind of feedback. Just, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little rough around the edges, but I think we actually have it now so that it is listenable. So I hope that you agree with that. The questions from the Q&A, those are interesting. There was at least one moment of a kind of a Chris Farley question. You remember in uh, Something Wild when uh, Melanie Griffith had you handcuffed to the bed? Remember that? Yeah. And you, you had to make that phone call, remember? And you were chained to the thing and you couldn't get away? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. But for the most part, there were some great questions, and Christopher Lloyd really kind of turned things into some positives uh, for the audience. And I think that he did a terrific job of really entertaining folks and giving folks exactly what they wanted. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. That said, I hope that you find that this is a fun interview. I know I had a lot of fun conducting it. And please enjoy yourselves and come on back next week for a regular episode of The Projection Booth. Podcast out in Detroit, and it is my great honor to be the moderator here of the Q and A with Christopher Lloyd. 
I see. I was going to give you this whole introduction about, you know, in 1885, Marty McFly went back to find you on September 2nd, and here it is all these years later, but it didn't work out that way, so. It's amazing how Back to the Future trilogy just keeps rolling along. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just, uh, it's amazing. I, I don't think maybe the, the executives had calculated this could happen, but None of us <laughs> had any idea um, the, the film would be as popular still as it is. And thank you. I mean, all you people coming to see it over and over and over again. <laughs> thank, thank you. Uh, it's great. Well, you were kind of hitting right out of the gate. Your very first film appearance, and please correct me if I'm wrong, was one through the Cuckoo's Nest. And I just... Took over the Oscars that year. Yeah, that's that's right. I live, I grew up living near New York City and and was living there for a long time. And I went there because I wanted to be an actor and I wanted to do film. But I, I'm near the city. There's lots of theater. I, I love the theater. So and that the theater would eventually. Um, get me up there somewhere where I would get into the movies. Uh, it didn't really work out that way. <laughs> I just did not seem to to click when I walked into an office for a meeting. I mean, everything was very nice, but I didn't feel these people particularly wanted to see me again. And then after some some time, they came to cast one through the cuckoo's nest and. It worked out, and I was, you know, Jack Nicholson was a, a hero to me back then because of all the films he made, the kind of actor and person he is, and so that was a huge excitement. And then working on that script with the other cast members also, it was a sort of turning point in my life. And then you went on to work with Nicholson a few more times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did a, a film called Going South. It's a, a kind of wacky comedy, romantic comedy uh, with a certain tilt to it. And it was a real lark. We shot it in uh, kind of the heart of Mexico, Durango, the city of Durango, the state of Durango. Mexico, and it, it was kind of a, a wild time. Funny film, and Mary Steen version, it was her first uh, film role, and Danny DeVito was in it, and um, John Belushi, you know, I mean, it was, so you can imagine, we had a few laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> You worked with uh, Michael Keaton quite a few times. What was that experience like on like, Mr. Mom and um, why am I forgetting the other one? Yeah. Dream Team. Dream Team, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And what was the first one you mentioned? Mr. Mom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did I actually appear to yeah. Mr. Mom? Are <laughs> you sure you did? Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of films I've done where uh, my name may have been in the credits, but I wasn't on screen. Um, yeah, Dream Team. Uh, that was that was uh, 
lot into it every take for six weeks, and I suddenly thought, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to do it over again. <laughs> I just, I, I, you know, so I was, uh, you know, me, me, me. I was uh, concerned about that. But Michael came on with an energy and a certain kind of charisma, a sense of comedy, uh, great energy, and it's just the chemistry just was there from the get-go, and it never quit. The all three years or whatever we spent, four years doing all three films, we come back, camera roll, and we still have that energy was just there. So that, that, that you know, what they saw and what made the change, I think, was because they needed somebody with a more comic flair to do something happen. Well, you said energy, and Doc Brown has a real kind of manic energy most of the time. How did you attack that? What was your secret to stay up all the time? That was Doc. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, he just, I just felt Doc Brown, he, he, he is never, he never relaxes. Uh, when he's sleeping, he's sleepwalking, <laughs> doing things in his sleep. I mean, I, I feel he just, uh, you know, he just gets so into every possibility and how to make it happen and put it together and share his excitement with Marty. You know, Marty understands. He knows what Doc's about. <laughs> he may not approve. But it's too curious a phenomenon not to hang around. So I just felt that's the energy. That's what drives Doc Brown. And then, of course, he's his own enemy because he creates these crises where the space time continuum is going to, and we're all done. <laughs> so he's got that all over his head all the time. And he's second the time machine or his judgment or Michael does something and we're doomed. <laughs> I want to open it up for some questions. Morning, Mark from Montreal. I have a question. As when you said in taxi, what does a yellow light say? <laughs> second second part. Every movie went over to Cuckoo's Nest, one of your great ones. Would you think you will ever take another fishing trip with the same guys? Totally. <laughs> we all had a wonderful time on that. It was a three-day shoot going out in the water. And it was at the end of shooting about 12 weeks in the uh, asylum facility. We were there morning, noon, and night for 12 weeks. Uh, thank you. So, so going out on that boat was, <laughs> you know, that was, that felt really good. <laughs> and lastly, what about that cigarette when you gave the guy the cigarette to put his shoe in the movie? A cigarette in Cuckoo's Nest? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you were happy to talk. What about it? Remember, that was a pretty good part. Neil <laughs> uh, Schwarzman, who directed the film, told a story. Uh, he, he was in Czechoslovakia, which was a, then 
uh, a communist uh, Soviet, uh, uh, satellite to the Soviet Union. Was, and, and he had made some films there, and then he escaped. They came to the U.S., and he did Amadeus and two or three others, and one flew over the Fuku's Nest. And he said that he was in a railroad station in uh, Czechoslovakia at night, and there was barely anybody on the platform waiting for the train. And there's a guy smoking a cigarette on the platform, and when he was done with it, he just sort of like flicked it over the side, landed in the hem of a man's trousers. <laughs> Milos, nobody went to tell the guy, that, you know, but nobody went. But eventually, it started burning him, and he went berserk. He went totally berserk. And that's where that moment came from. Uh, Milos wrote it into the scene where I get the cigarette in my car from my book was hurt. Yeah, the gentleman brought up Taxi, and I was curious, what was it like working with Andy Kaufman? It was, it was really good. Uh, a lot of people will ask me, was, was Andy crazy? And uh, um, he, he was not crazy. He had a real image. He knew the kind of comedy, the kind of characters he wanted to create. It was all very well thought out. And he did things, you know, like mud wrestling with women and wrestling with professional wrestlers and get his neck, maybe or maybe not, injured. He just knew what he, he knew what he was doing. And he made it happen. He created, he was very creative and he, and he, and he was a real artist. A moment that comes to my mind every time, <laughs> Andy, he, he, uh, oh, well, there were a couple. He could be infuriating. He could, he could, you'd want to shake him sometimes because he just was in his own groove, which is okay. But sometimes it could be a little um, hard to deal with. And he ticked off Tony Danza, right? And Tony went with a fire extinguisher. One of those foam deals, and he knocked on Andy's <laughs> dressing room door, and just <laughs> all over the place. But a thing I remember is that he was into meditation and all of that meditation in all its forms. And one day we were in rehearsal before performance, so it was like a full dress rehearsal with the, all the crew, with all the camera crew, the producers, right, everybody there. And uh, at this, uh, uh, somehow a, a kind of a discussion about levitation came up with Andy and others in the cast and whatever. And he said, it was just somehow casually said that he could levitate. <laughs> and, you know, we kind of laugh or whatever. He said, oh. So he sat down on the stage floor and, you know, uh, that cross legs and like that, and he just sat there and sat there and sat there and sat there. 
and we're standing around. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> Somebody says, Sir, uh, I'm going to go by, I'm going to sit down here, I'm going to levitate. <laughs> oh, I can, I'm going to levitate. The gall, the daring uh, to, to do something like that. And it wasn't until the production manager said, uh, breaks over, we don't, we got to go back to work here. And he said, it was like, well, okay, I mean, I could have done it, but okay. <laughs> and uh, he gets up, and we go on, but I, I'll never forget that. It was, everybody's standing around watching. <laughs> and he's sitting on the floor, and you're beginning to think that might, you know, it might happen. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Hi, I'm Tyler, and we know you all as Doc Brown, Judge Doom, and everything. But this little birdie, birdie told me another name. He calls you Hacker. See? Hacker. <laughs> you should know better. <laughs> Hello, Doc Brown. Right from Montreal. This is a two-part question. First part, when is there a scene to feel good to call back to the trilogy? Best, best scene. Back to the Future. So many. I, I, I kind of feel my, my favorite of the trilogy is the, is the third, the number three. The horseback riding and, and shooting all that steam engine. This uh, steam, I don't know. How how many of you have been gotten up close to a really steam engine and just looked it over? It's it's amazing. It's amazing. There's all these gears and wheels and wheels and wheels. And steam coming out here, the steam coming out there, and the noise. It's it's a, such an incredible machine, and that was fun. And Doc fell in love. <laughs> How many films have you seen where my character falls in love? <laughs> yes. Also, where is your favorite line in the whole, whole series? What's your favorite line in the whole series? From the great Scott one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I guess. Grace. God. Oh, my goodness, Jesus. Hello, Mr. Lloyd. May I call you Chris? Yes. Um, are you for real? <laughs> And whatever you want me to be. <laughs> Chris. Yes. If you had a DeLorean that could go back in time, who would you go back in time to meet, and what would you ask me? Who would you go back in time to meet, and what would you ask me? Okay. <laughs> Meet you on the hill. 
Um, I don't know. Well, 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 we go back to me. I like to hang out with Abraham Lincoln. And I'm not saying that because I'm uh, partisan, this or that. I just think he was just an amazing mind and look and his whole, his whole, that Lincoln-esque thing. And the way he worked through the crises that he had to work through, all of the Civil War and before that, and an incredible humor. When people would come up to him with problems, he told them stories that captured, you know, in a very humorous vein, exactly what they were concerned about. Uh, it just to me was so amazing. Um, I, 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 I hope you're not feeling uh, uh, badly about how this turned out. <laughs> oh no. I, I feel very blessed. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Hello, I just want to say it is an absolute pleasure to have the opportunity to speak with such a legend like yourself. And everyone here really loved you for your live action film, but I love you for your voice acting and the voices you do. I mean, recently you've done Over the Garden Wall, as the woodsman, you were old King Graham in uh, King's Quest. And, uh, of course, everyone here really is coming to see you because they loved you in Food Fight. <laughs> and that's my question. What the hell happened in 2012? Because you did a lot of weird voice work. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I think that... Um... I don't know. It just, it just sort of, I started doing it some time ago, some years ago, and I wasn't crazy about it. I wasn't crazy about the idea. I, I, um, but then I, you know, opportunities came up and I began to get comfortable with it and then began to really enjoy it, which I do now with, uh, King's Quest and whatever. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, yes, you know, I haven't seen that yet. It's one of your best performances. I honestly think it's worth a rewatch. <laughs> and also, one more thing. Okay, uh, I, will, I will watch it. Thank you. And also, would you care for a cookie? No. <laughs> Hello. It's okay. Hi. Why did you want to become an actor instead of the millions of other jobs out there? I, I began in a, in a strange way to become aware that if I could amuse someone, it would save me from getting my ass kicked. <laughs> that, pardon my language, but I just felt that I, I, I developed a certain knack to cover myself in situations where I felt awkward or threatened or ill at ease. So, putting on an act, and, in a way. And it just sort of evolved into getting up on stage and doing it from that. It's just, I just, I like it. 
like it. When you first started out, you worked, what, 20 years in the theater almost before you went into movies? Uh, I, I came to, well, I'm not in the theater, whatever I could during my later teens. Uh, so I start apprenticing and doing bits here and there. Then I got to, I went to New York after high school in 1960. I went to drama school, the neighborhood, neighborhood playhouse of the school of the theater in New York and then started making the rounds and finally came out to LA after Cooper's Nest in 1976. And I live in California still. How often do you go back to the theater? About once every two years. Yeah, yeah something comes up. Um, working on something now that may happen in a year or so. So, yeah, I, I like it. And it's great because I spent a lot of time in New York trying to get a paid job as an actor from 1961 or two until I was 33 before I got a paid job in the theater in New York. I did a lot of workshops, acting classes, um, but I worked out of town. I did summer stock and regional theater, guest shots here and there. Now, when I go back to do a play, it really, really, really feels good. Nice. You know, I'm coming like home, and I'm working there, you know. It's, it's, uh, so. Hi, Mr. Lloyd. Um, uh, back in the mid-90s, you did motion capture for um, my favorite adventure game of all time, which was Toonstruck. Toonstruck, yeah. Toonstruck. I was just wondering how um, acting in motion capture is compared to acting on film or in theater, and uh, how you kind of adjusted for that role. I don't. I remember. I know I was in Toonstruck. I don't quite remember what it was. You mean how to feel doing? So did you have like the green suit with the oh, dots on and all that? I don't know. I, I, it's kind of because I, I did hardly any of that. And it was, it was the last time I did it was before they make a, made a whole leap in technology with a white thing. I don't remember how it was done when I did it, but it was so long ago. I, I don't remember even what it was for. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> uh, I'm dissatisfied. <laughs> I'm Cindy from New York. I'm here for the accounting convention. Yeah, that's why I'm wearing pink and sweater. Anyway, um, what advice would you give to an actor on their first film shoot? Just come in really focused on what you want to do. Really focused on it. Actually said, just do what you want to do. I know there's pressure, there's all of that. Just keep right on it and really work off the other actors as best you can. And they may do a few takes one way, and then they'll set up to do some more takes of the same scene, uh, like close-up or from a different angle. And there's a tendency when you've gotten through your first take, you know, to go to craft services and go, start talking, and, oh, I'm slow. <sighs> and then you call back for the next setup, and I'm like, my God, what happened to my character? 
you know, you got to keep in it until the whole sequence is over. Thank you, big focus. Let's do one more question. Um, I wanted to know, uh, do you have a favorite moment or cherished memory of Michael J. Fox from the Back to the Future trilogy making it with him? I do remember one, one that kind of sticks to me. <laughs> Uh, we had a, somewhere in Back to the Future 3, we had to walk on the top of a train, um, freight car, while it was moving. And when you're, when you're, um, up on the top of one of those, it sways more. I mean, down here, it's this. Up there, it's, kind of, kind of. And, uh, we were facing each other. The trains bump along about 20 miles an hour or so, maybe 30. And we were facing each other because we were about to have to do something that was in the scene. And it took a little more work than it did the time. Was and we we, <laughs> we both are, we just looked at each other in the eye like, okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> um, everything turned out okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm going to signal that we have to wrap up here, but I do want to ask you one more thing. Can you uh, tell the folks about your role in uh, I Am Not a Serial Killer? Because I watched that this morning. Fantastic film. Fantastic. Uh, thank you. Uh, yes, this is a, a film that's coming out is uh, called I Am Not a Serial Killer. And I tell you, I like it. I, I, I really, you know, I, and this, the response has been good, but it's just been in festivals. Now it's coming out in theaters and somewhere on TV, on one of those, yeah, somewhere like that. Uh, and it's hard to tell you anything about it because it's very important that you don't know what's going to happen. And to, to reveal any clue becomes another clue and another clue. <laughs> so uh, it's just, it's, I, rec I recommend it. <laughs> Let's just cut to the chase. Thank you very much, Mr. Lloyd. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. And thank you, everybody, for coming out for this. This has been fantastic.
the day, I needed to ball a little bit of pepper. My chicken. The next thing you know, coming in me was a hand with the fingers. I stepped in with you. Now I try to play it on off and act like I'm having a ball. But what do I see? Yo. A perm with feet, standing about three feet tall. I'm out of here. They do what they wanna do, say what they wanna say, live how they wanna live, play how they wanna play, dance how they wanna dance, stick and they stop a friend. They do what they wanna do, say what they wanna say, live how they wanna live, play how they wanna play, dance how they wanna dance, stick and they stop a friend. About the Adams, you know, the hammer is with it. With Act it. a fool, no balls, swoop, goofy, and randy, you know, we kick it. Now it's the time to get it in your mind. It's okay to be yourself. Be yourself. Take foolish pride and put it aside like the Adams. Yo, they did. That's a family. They do what they wanna do, say what they wanna say, live how they wanna live, play how they wanna play, dance how they wanna dance, stick and they still afraid. They do what they wanna do, say what they wanna say, live how they wanna live, play how they wanna play, dance how they wanna dance, stick and they still afraid. Cause a nigga got on the floor, and he got the wiggling and wobbling, and he did this cool move. 